So turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians. Yesterday morning, I sat down to have breakfast. I had a man from the U- had two people from the Ukraine, three people from Ghana, and a man from Georgia. And we, we sat there and had a great time eating together and just talking about the work of the Lord. But uh, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, it'll be on the screen. Also, it's inside your worship guide. There's an insert in there, and the scriptures will be there. Uh, feel free to pull that out and do that. Or, you know, get your phone out and uh, open up your Bible on your phone, however you tend to carry your Bible these days. It comes in a whole lot of shapes today, amen? But before, while you're turning there, I just want to kind of set some background to, to where we're going today. We're in, a, we're in a message series called Through the Eyes of a Lion, and uh, we're talking about how God helps us turn the darkest moments of our life into victory and into glory for him. Last week, I talked about how Jesus has turned off the darkness, that he has, he has overcome death, he has defeated death, and he has brought light into our lives. And he, he destroyed death, he brought life and faith to us. And when we have a relationship with Christ, you and I can get through the darkest and most tragic and most painful moments of our lives. Amen. Amen. And we, we shared with that. My message today, though, is going to kind of pick up where we left off last week with, with this thought. I want to talk to you about seeing your life through the eyes of a lion. I want you to see through the eyes of a lion. Do you know, uh, you know most of you in here know this. My wife and I spent over a decade in Africa. We, we've had the privilege of, of uh, tracking lions and hanging out with lions and watching lions eat. You know, that doesn't sound like fun, but it's really kind of cool. And... Uh, uh, and one thing that we learned about lions is lions have great eyesight, and they have very unique eyesight. The way God has designed their eyes is very unique. Uh, they, they have what can be described as long sight, or what is called telescopic sight. In other words, they can see things from a long way off, uh, and it's clear and it's, they can see it perfectly from uh, huge distances. Their eyes are like telescopes, and they take in lots of light. Their, their eyes are designed to pull in light. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been face-to-face with a lion, I know most of you have, and uh, lions have white fur under their eyes. Now, how many of you have ever played sports, and you put, you, know, you put the black streak under here? It's not just to look cool, right? It's supposed to help deflect the light. Well, in a lion... The white helps to bring more light into their eyes so that they can see with, e- with even greater uh, precision. Distant objects that would be blurry to you and I, their eyes telescope. I mean, they don't literally come out, but the, 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 the way their eyes work, they, they telescope out and they, they bring things into focus, right? How many of you have ever seen a lion wearing bifocals? Right? I mean, just it's not there, okay? I mean, except in like a Disney cartoon or something. But you see, you see, God designed lions with what I call supercharged pupils and optic nerves. And then they've got that white stripe to, to bring the light in, and it makes everything clear. So think about it like this. God created these magnificent creatures to survive in some of the hardest places on the earth. God created them that way, and he gave them everything that they need to be the king of the jungle. And and when I talk about this morning, when I talk about seeing our life through the eyes of a lion, I'm talking about seeing our lives through a vision of faith. 
that Jesus has turned off the darkness, that he has given us light, and now, like a lion, you and I must learn to best use the light that God has given each of us. Jesus said that he is the light of the world, that he lights up everything, and we, we, need to let, we need to understand that even in our pain, even in our grief, even in our sorrow, even in our hurt, God, Jesus has come, and he has dispelled the darkness, he has brought light to where we are, and we can see him, even though it may seem like he's far off. Even though it may seem, Paul said, that we look through a glass darkly, that sometimes we don't understand the end from the beginning. But can I tell you this morning that God saw the end of your pain before the pain began? That God saw the end of your tragedy before it began? God saw the outcome of all of this, and he is working? Here's what I know. If I'm walking through something today, God's not surprised by that. He's already been working on a solution to the thing. Our role, our job, our, our privilege is to say, you know what, I may not understand it all, but I'm just going to keep looking. I'm going to keep letting my focus come. To, I'm going to take in all the light that I can. So, so turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses uh, 16 through 18. Now this is, this is Paul's letter to a church called in the city of Corinth. He, he had already sent a letter to the church, and it contained some pretty strong words of rebuke. Matter of fact, the Corinthians call it a strong letter. They call it a painful letter. Paul even calls it a severe letter. Now, what's happening? Why did he have to kind of send this letter and get on them a little bit? There were some false teachers that were coming into the church and saying that Paul's ministry was not valid, that he was not a legitimate preacher, and they're questioning Paul's authority to be a preacher, to be an apostle. And, and, and more than that, they're questioning his motivation. They're saying, well, Paul's just doing this for the money. Paul's just doing this for the prestige. Paul's just doing this so people will follow after Paul. And, and the Corinthians fall for this, and Paul writes to them, and he corrects them, and then they write back to him, and now we find the book of 2 Corinthians where he's responding to their letter. And he writes back to them, and he reminds them, hey, I do what I do because I love you. I say, well, I t you know, how many of you have ever heard this? You know, when you talk to your kids and you're going to give them some discipline, you say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I never understood that until I became a parent, right? Because you don't want to discipline children. You don't, you don't want to do that, but you understand that if you don't, it's going to get a whole lot worse. And, and, and so, so Paul is saying, I love you. You're my children in the Lord. I, I want the best for you. I want you to walk in the things of God. And so I had to bring this severe letter to you. And Paul says, you know what? I want you to understand that my motivation for, for preaching the gospel is because I love Jesus. And that it's a privilege to preach the gospel. It's a privilege to be a part of God's plan. He delights. This is, this is crazy. Paul says, I delight in troubles. I delight in the trials that, that I endure and the, for the gospel's sake because there are those who have not heard. There are those who have never heard the name of Jesus. There are those who have never heard the, the, the gospel. And Paul says, I live to take the gospel to them. And for Paul, the gospel is everything. It's everything. But then Paul makes an amazing confession Pastor Eric sang about it in that last song. He said this. He said, God has put this treasure. What is the treasure? It's the gospel. 
God has taken the gospel and he's put it into jars of clay. You see, folks, God has taken the most perfect and powerful message that the world has ever heard, and he put it into imperfect people. Hello? All right? God took the message of salvation, and he entrusted it to frail and weak and often powerless people, but it is through the frailty and through the weakness and through the powerlessness that God shows his strength to others. And Paul reminds the Corinthians that despite the difficulties, despite the setbacks, despite hardships, despite suffering, despite pain, despite being forsaken by family and friends, God continues to work and Paul continues to preach through, for Christ through the spirit of faith. And then he, he, even, he says this, even if I die preaching the good news, I'm a winner. Because if I die, then I just get to be with Jesus. And the darkness has already been turned off. And the darkness has already been dispelled. And so he says this in verse 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, that is why we never give up. Reading from the New Living Translation, why don't we give up? Because... Jesus has taken the darkness. Jesus has given us the gospel. He said, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, here we go, here's what we do. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Wow. 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 Do, do, do you hear those words? More importantly, do you see what Paul is see, He's seeing through eyes of faith. Look what he says. That's why we don't give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Now, now think about the life of Paul. All right, think about Paul. He tells us in, first, in, in, in Corinthians chapter 11 that his ministry, what his ministry has been like. Now, now, here's the kind of ministry that God wants to give you. You ready? He says this. He said, I've been beaten with rods three times. I've been pelted with stones. I've been shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and a day floating around in the ocean, wondering if I was going to get eaten. He said, I've constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers and bandits and fellow Jews and from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country. I've been in danger from false believers. He said, I've had to labor and work and, and, and do other things, and I've went without sleep, and I've went without food, and I've even went without clothing. But... Because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done in him, because he had taken the broken Paul and turned him into a preacher of the gospel, he says, even all that stuff, I do not give up. Though my body is, is getting, it's getting hard to get up and move around, sometimes it's getting hard to do what I need to do, but I am not giving up. Now, I doubt seriously if Paul ever thought, wow, man, I am just so glad for the pain. Bring it on, Jesus. Give me more. 
I don't think that's the case because we find Paul praying, Lord, remove, remove some of this from me. But, but Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll, I'll, I'll be there in your weakness, Paul. But I love this. Paul says, you see, I, <laughs> I'm going to preach to the choir for a minute, all right? How many of you know your bodies are frail? How many of you are realizing that more each and every day, right? Uh, but can I tell you what's not frail? Your spirit. Hear me this morning. You may have some aches and pains, uh, but your spirit is eternal. Your body and my body are wearing out, but, but, but our spirits are not wearing out out. You may be suffering with chronic pain in your body, but Paul says your spirit is renewed every day. You may be walking through the pain of loss. You may be walking through the pain of grief. You may be walking through a trial of hurt, but let me, hear, let me just say this to you. You can walk through that knowing that Christ will, Christ will renew your spirit each and every day. That's why Paul says, I can delight in troubles. I can delight in the trials. Why? Because the troubles and the trials will not last forever. But my spirit will. My, my soul man will. Here's, here's why we should do that. Because for your present troubles are small. How I many you know when you have a trouble in a trial, it seems like it's right here? Right? But Paul says in the, through the lens of faith, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. And not only is it small, but hear me, hear me. Right? It won't last forever. All right? I said it last week, I'll repeat it today. Darkness doesn't last forever. Heartbreak heals, and suffering is always temporary. It's always temporary. Now, I know the, prom I know the hurt of a broken promise. I know the hurt of a broken heart. I know the suffering that some of you have experienced in your bodies is tough. I understand that. I, I get that, and I'm understanding it more and more every day. And I recognize that some of you have experienced some, some amazing emotional pain. You've walked through some places that none of us would ever want to walk through. Some of you are, are, are just experiencing that now. Can I tell you that Paul did too? Can I tell you that there's not a person in this room who hasn't woke up a more, a, a more than one morning saying, you know what, I don't know what to do with today. I don't know what to do. And Paul did that, and Paul, but Paul chooses to look at those troubles and those hurts and that pain and all that. He chooses to look at it like this. He says that, that small thing that doesn't last forever, here's what it does, though. It produces for us a glory that vastly outweighs the trouble and the trial that will not last forever. All right? But, that, but what it produces in us will last forever. So, so what is the they that Paul talks about in this, in this verse? You see, folks, the troubles, the trials, the pains, the hurts, the suffering, do you know what they do for you? They produce in you glory. They produce in me glory. They produce, thing, these things produce in us character and strength and integrity and it increases our relationship with God. You see, because that stuff won't last forever, but it will help us to understand eternity. 
You see, the troubles are temporary. The pain is temporary. The emotional hurt is temporary. Salvation is eternal. The Father's love is eternal. The Son's grace is eternal. The Holy Spirit's comfort is eternal. And Paul tells us that we need to see these things through the eyes, in our words, and through the eyes of a lion. We need to see our pain and our suffering and our problems and our hurts through different lenses. We need to get a different perspective on the pains and the problems. So, so look at what he says to do. He goes on. So we don't look at troubles. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. You see, Paul, now, now here's he is, okay? Paul's not telling you to ignore the problem. Matter of fact, if you ignore the problem, it'll just get worse. Right? You got to face the problems. You, you got to deal with the de- you got to deal with the, the thing. You got to deal with the suffering. You got to deal with the grief. You got to deal with the hurt, and you got to walk through it. But the good news is, you don't walk through it alone. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Sometimes there are things in our life that we never get over, but through Christ we can get through it. Amen. And Paul is telling us that our troubles and our pains and our hurts are not the focus of our life. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll let the focus become not Jesus, not the gospel, not the things that God has done for us, but it'll be that pain that we have. It'll be that problem that we're facing. It'll be, I'm not telling you not to deal with it. I'm just telling you don't make it your life. My life and my identity is not the problems that I have. My life and my identity is not the pain that I experience. My life and my identity is wrapped up in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I am, his, I am a joint heir with him. I am a son of God through the Father. I've been born again. I've been renewed. I've been baptized. I've been uh, taken into his arms. And so I have to get a different perspective. And Paul says this is what you do. Instead of focusing on the problems, instead of focusing on the pain, he says this, rather, fix your gaze on what cannot be seen. Because the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let me just, just put it down where the rubber meets the road, okay? It's easy to get off focus. It's easy to get our relationship with Christ off focus. We get with problems and pains and school and work and family and and all this stuff. It It just comes in on us. It's easy to get our focus off the gospel. I know that. I, I struggle with that too. Paul struggled with that. And it, but if you look at the world today, here's what happens. If you just focus on what's happening out there today, you're going to focus on something that will cause you to be disillusioned. If your focus is the news every day, then you're going to think the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. It might be in some places. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on that's good. All right? If, 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 um, if you make the hurtfulness of others your focus, then guess what? You'll become bitter. If you choose to dwell on the past of sin and mistake and all of that, you will begin to doubt the love of God for your life. If you spend all of your time wondering how to get revenge on somebody, then all you're going to do is become angry. 
You see, folks, we have to begin to see life through the eyes of a lion, through the eyes of faith. You see, when you focus on what can be seen, you miss the glory of God that he's walking through you and in you. When you focus on the problems and the pains in front of you, things get blurry and dark. You see, faith looks beyond and chooses to look for what God is doing. Hear, hear me this morning. Yeah, you might have some aches and pains, but ask yourself, what's God, done, what's God doing? What's God accomplishing in my life? How is God working in my heart? How is God working in my family? How is God working in our church? How is God working in the world? You see, faith takes in every ounce of light. Faith, faith reaches out and says, man, there's light there. There's, yeah, there's light. There's something good. There's something there that I can pull in. Faith says, hey, hey, look what God is doing through the pain what God is doing through this. And when life gets blurry, it's really a lens problem. I, I wear glasses. I'm old enough to have bifocals now. I, I don't like to admit that. I'll be 48 here in a couple weeks. And, and uh, I never thought I'd get there, to be honest with you. I just figured I'd be dead by now. But, uh, uh, you know, with, thank God for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> But I, I've noticed, you know, I'm working on my dissertation and writing my doctoral dissertation and all that, and I'm reading several hundred pages a day, and, and um, I notice that my eyes are getting a little more blurry, you know, that what used to be clear is just not clear anymore, right? I'm, I've noticed that my notebooks are getting further and further away, and my arm is getting shorter Sure, and I've noticed that even my glasses aren't helping much anymore, and I spend most of my time with them off than I do with them on. And so, so, so it's a lens problem. This lens and this lens aren't, aren't, aren't working together. And so I've got to go back to the eye doctor. You see, you see folks, when, in the spirit, when we begin to get blurry and dark in the spirit, we begin to say, man, I just don't know. You know, I just don't know if good things are, I just don't know if God's work. I just, we, we, we've got to put on our spiritual glasses and say, hey, Lord, help me to see this through your eyes. Help me to see this problem, this pain, this situation. Help me to see it through the lens of faith. Again, that's not, you're not deep. It's, it's not, well, I'm just going to ignore the problem. If I ignore it, it'll go away. You open your eyes and it's right there. No, the, the, the way you do it, you deal with it. And, and, you, and you, you let Jesus in on it. It's like uh, uh, Jack Smart, who came and preached for us here a few weeks ago about rural freedom, talking about how to help people with life-controlling issues. He talked about that mom that just wouldn't get out of God's way. Every time, the, every time the child got in trouble, she wanted to step in. Every time the child got this, she stepped in. Every time the child did this, she stepped in. And he finally told her, if you don't get out of the way, God can't work. Amen. And when mom got out of the way and God had room, God began to work in the life of that, that, that child. Folks, sometimes we need, to, we need to take what's between us and what God is wanting us to see and say, Lord, Help me, to, help me to deal with this, but help it to not become the focus of my life. So how do you do that? How do you see through the lens of faith? I'm glad you asked. You ready? Because I'm going to, I've been around a bunch of teenagers this week, so I'm going to drop some truth on you. All right. I don't have a clue. With, you know, every time I hear somebody say drop the mic, all I think about is how much a microphone costs. 
you know, I think, you know, it's 500 bucks for that wireless mic. Man, what are they doing dropping that thing? I don't care what kind of points you're making, all right? That's, all right? So, so here's what you do. If you want to develop uh, lenses of faith, if you want to see through the eyes of a lion, do this. Never rely on the naked eye. You can't rely on everything you see because there's a, there's a world out there that we don't see every day. There, there, there's, a, there's a world, there's a spiritual realm, there's a world out there that we, uh, that we don't see. The other day I was driving, and, and as I looked ahead, I kept thinking, man, that car is in the wrong lane. And, and, and I'm driving, you know, when, you, when we lived in Africa, that was no big deal. You just picked the lane and drove in it, and, you know, everybody got in and out of the way, you know. And, uh, but here it's a little bigger deal, right? So, I'm driving, I'm coming from Lexington to here, and I'm driving, I'm driving, thinking, man, these people are in the wrong lane. And then I'm starting to panic, and I'm putting on the brakes, and I'm slowing down. So, I mean, I'm like at a stop, and then I realize they're not, they're not on the other side of the road. They're just in a curve, and it looks like they're on the other side of the road. Because, because my vision had become distorted. I realized that it just looked like that. It was an illusion. Because you can't always trust what you see with your naked eye. If you, if you make the mistake of seeing your pain and your circumstance through your own eyes, you will lose heart. <clears throat> but if you will begin to ask the Lord to give you lenses of faith, how? Romans 10 and 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to get a lens of faith, if you want to be able to see beyond what this eyes can see, take time in the Word of God. Let God's word speak to you and through you. It's like, I, I hate to use this, this, this kind of a, a, a metaphor, but it's like, it's like vitamins for your eyes. It helps you see beyond the darkness of the world. It helps you to see beyond the darkness of the grave, beyond the darkness of, of the hopelessness that many experience, and we begin to see that God is at work in people's lives and in our life. So, so let the word of God Speak into your life and let it focus your eyes. Secondly, train for the trial that you're not yet in. Now, I know that's not good news. Because here's what I've learned. I'm either just coming out of a deal or I'm heading into one. And I don't mean to say that the Christian life is just this horrible, you know, daily. What I'm saying is we're human and we... We're living in a sin-filled world, and we got to deal with stuff, all right? And so, so God wants us to train for the trials that we've not even yet experienced. How many of you are watching the Winter Olympics, all right? I love the opening ceremonies and watched them the other night, and the Winter Olympics started this week, and I, I hope you caught that, but, but can I, I think, you know, my wife's bucket list is to go to the Olympics, and we might get there when we're 95 or something, but... but but you know what, you know what I, here's what I know about these Olympians, right? I don't care what country they're from. I don't care where they hail from in the world. The Winter Olympics started on Friday. They didn't start training Friday morning. No, some of them have been training since they were toddlers. You know, some, some of them have been training all of, They didn't wait until the heat of the competition to get ready. Well, I got to ski today. Somebody want to tell me what a ski is? No, they, they, they've been training. You don't wait for the trial to come into your life to start praying. You don't wait for everything to drop in on you like a bomb and then say, well, maybe you know, it might be a good idea for me to pray. No, we train for the trial by getting into God's word 
and by spending time with Him in prayer. You find that secret place. You find that, that place in, 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 in where you can get alone with God and you can talk to Him and He can talk to you. You don't wait until you're heat, in the heat of the battle to start fasting in prayer. No, you wake up every day and you, and you chase after Him. You wake up every day and you put on the armor of God. In our growth track class, we teach people how to pray the armor of God. I'm putting on my helmet of salvation today because he saved me and he's going to protect my mind and he's going to help me to see I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness because he's changed my heart and I'm, I'm righteous before God and I want to stay right. He's given me the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit so that I don't have to succumb to the temptations and the trials of the enemy. And you can begin to pray that and believe that God is going to do something. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to train for the trial, then you get up early and you talk to the Lord. Can I just take the mystery out of prayer? Sometimes we think it's about a position and about words. When I get up in the morning, I just have a cup of coffee with Jesus. I don't know how he takes his, but I know how he takes mine. All right, and I just sit at the table, and I, I, I get out my phone, and I've got scriptures there, a daily reading plan, and I just begin to read the word of the Lord, and, and I begin my prayer this way, Lord, I've never lived this day, so I need your help. I've never lived this day, so I need your help. So I'm training, training. Lastly, let God use your pain. Let God use your pain. Charles Spurgeon, the great evangelist, said this, God gives his most difficult assignments to those he trusts the most. I know some of you are saying, God, I wish you didn't trust me so much. Yeah. Right? But, but you need to remember something. There's nothing that comes to us that God doesn't allow. There's nothing that comes into our life that God is not taking and using and molding and helping us to produce in us the glory that will last forever. God will, here's what you got to understand. God does not cause evil, but God is in, in charge of evil. So whatever evil the devil has brought to you, God is going to use it for your good. It might not be comfortable to experience. It might be painful. But the glory that God produces in us will far outweigh what, what it took to get there. So let God use your pain to minister to others. I talked to you last week about the difficulty my wife and I had and the children that we've lost and, and, and those kind of things. And God has used that over and over and over to minister to, to young ladies who, who, have, who have experienced the loss and, and she, can just, she, just, she just uses that to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Many of you have walked through uh, uh, pain. You've walked through divorce. You've walked through broken relationships. You've walked through hurts. You know, I, I, I'm sorry that all of that happened, but let me tell you what. God can take what was meant for evil and he can turn that around and help you use that for good. So get, let God use your pain. Don't, don't walk out on what God's trying to accomplish. Instead, fix your gaze on what you cannot see. If, if you don't know him this morning, if you don't know Jesus this morning, can, can I just tell you this? I will make no promises to you that if you, if you ask him into your life, 
that everything's suddenly going to turn around and become rosy. And you'll never have problems and you'll never have pain and you'll never I won't I won't tell you that lie. But here's what I'll tell you that when Christ comes to reside in your heart through the Holy Spirit, when you invite him into your life to walk with you, you see here's what you get. You get someone who never leaves you. Someone who never forsakes you. Someone who walks with you in the pain. Someone who walks with you in the trial. And so if you don't know him this morning, if you've never asked the Lord to be, uh, Jesus to become the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity right now just to, just, to, just to pray this prayer with us and ask the Lord to come into your heart, into your life. If you'd like to pray that prayer with us this morning, would you just lift a hand? Just lift a hand across this building this morning. We, just, we, want, we want to never, never not give people an opportunity to come to Christ. Can we pray by faith this morning that God is going to touch people's hearts and lives? Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and that you rose again that I could have a new life. And so I ask you to come into my heart. I repent of all of my wrong, and I ask you to save me today and make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Maybe you walked into this auditorium this morning saying, I've got things that are around me that I just cannot handle. We're going to... Service is not over. We're just gonna we're gonna take some time here to worship the Lord and and to pray for one another. And if you need prayer this morning, would would you know don't be shy. We're not here to hurt you, we're not here to harm you, we're not gonna pounce on you, okay? But but I want us to just pray one for another. I want us to pray that God would do a great work in, in your life. So so as you're standing there, would you just take the hand of the person next to you? Maybe you just want to gather in smaller groups. and Would you just pray one for another this morning? If you have a need, just, just let that be known to, to the person there. And if you're not comfortable with that, we get that. We understand that. But, but just let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we can take every burden, every care, every pain, every problem, and we can bring it to you. And you're not afraid of it. You don't think we have, have just lost it because of it, Lord. But God, you have, you have done a work in us, Lord, that is beyond anything that we could ever understand or ever comprehend. And so we need you today. Lord, would you minister to hearts and lives here right now? Father, I thank you. I thank you today. God, that you would just remind us that you're with us, Lord that you're with us, that you've not left us, you've not forsaken us, but you will be with us even to the end of this age. I thank you today, and I bless you, almighty God. Wonderful Savior, wonderful Savior, you are worthy of praise, worthy of honor today. 